We've gotten another question that uh, came in um, that has to do with uh, a nonprofit organization, which sounds like it might be uh, challenging. Uh, could you talk about how a, a nonprofit 501c3 could qualify for funding uh, for purchase and construction uh, to buy a, a building or a property? The building uh, in this example would be used for a housing uh, uh, in their example for, for a veterans organization, 20% of the building. Um, and then another portion of the building to run a conference and a banquet facility, which would be the 80% of the building. That sounds uh, kind of like a complicated formula. Do nonprofits in general have difficulty getting financing on, on uh, commercial building transactions? Um, banks will do them if it's up and running and... Um there are banks out there that will take a look at non nonprofits. Um, the, the hurdle that you have to get over with nonprofits is a lot of their funds either come from the state or federal, and they're reliant on on those those type of payments. Um, and you know, year to year they fluctuate, so it, it's a lot of risk on a, on a lender. Here at, at CEDF, um, we if it is a it's, if it's a long time running facility and they, they show good income, we'll, we would consider it. Um, again, I would, I would definitely talk to a bank. I know the bank that I worked for before did do them, and I know several of the banks do nonprofits. Um, some of them do them very well. Even your small local banks, your community banks, definitely reach out to them. Um, as far as, I'll be honest with you. I, I did very little the nonprofit type lending. I would just Google nonprofit. Um, there's a lot of organizations out there that that do finance them. Um, but that that's definitely a start. But the good news is banks will will entertain them. So we have a question regarding um, I guess purchasing a property with partners where um, the question is, would each need to contribute the same percentage down? And if not, can they still be equal guarantors on the note? And if not, how is the percentage of guarantee determined? And is there an administrator that's uh, assigned the responsibility of making the payments then? That, that's a great question. Um, you know, if, 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 there, if it's 10% down, don't, a lender doesn't really care where the money, you know, what, what, how much is coming from what guarantor. Um, it's, it, it's just 10%. It's not 10% for each guarantor. It's just 10%. Um, now, as far as the ownership goes, you know, that's something you have to determine. But in terms of guaranteeing the loan, anybody that owns 20% or more will have to guarantee the loan. And that's really across the industry bank, SBA lender, nationwide lender, and CEDF. So if there were um, a number of investors and they were under 20%, they wouldn't necessarily need to uh, go through the same credit underwriting uh, processes, but you could get to the point where the transaction seems to rely more on the partners than the, uh, the principal. Is there some minimum for... I guess what we would call the managing partner of a partnership like this in terms of the percentage of ownership? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen, you know, 30, 30, and then someone had 10, you know, uh, or 30, 30, 30, and then someone had 10. Again, I can't tell people 
what to do with their ownership. Um, we do like to see someone own at least 51% um, to have the majority ownership. But again, uh, all I could say is anybody 20% or more will have to guarantee them. So our uh, preference for over 50% uh, for the principal owner, if you will, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a fixed thing throughout the industry because I guess real estate syndication is um, pretty uh, pretty popular, if you will, at a certain echelon of, of, of commercial development, no? Right. Very much so. Will a bank consider lending for a lease buyback where the guarantor may not be able to afford purchasing the property in full, but they can buy into the current owner, in this case, uh, the example they use for half, and use his or her 50% revenue from the lease payments to pay off the other half. Um, the questioner says he's heard of this, but uh, not really sure if this is a, a real arrangement. I have heard of different arrangements like this. Um, there are all different types of lease-to-own type of leases. Um, you can have a right of first refusal, and you just make your payment, and if the seller decides to sell, you just have first dibs at the property, right? Um, there's that type. And then there's another type where, it's, um, you know, a portion of your payment um, will go towards a down payment on the property. Um, and usually at that at that point, you got to be careful because the landlord will ask that they at least put a, a minimum sales price on the property. And we all know commercial properties are up and down. Um I'm sure there's an arrangement that way. Um, I would definitely consult with an attorney to make sure it's ironclad. Um, you know, if you can get into a property, uh, you know, it, it sounds like they're putting 50% down, or if, uh, if, it, if you're doing that, why not just go to a lender and, and not deal and just buy it outright unless, unless that's the arrangement the landlord wanted. You know, it all depends on the verbiage in the agreement. So if um, purchasing a building uh, through a company, um, is there a manner in which uh, the loan is secured through the business versus personally by the business owner? Uh, The questioner here says, I can't imagine Donald Trump or any other developer is personally securing the properties in which they invest. Well, we all know Donald Trump's not a small business owner. He's more of a middle market and higher. So... (laughs) They rarely personally guarantee anything, but um, so get, getting back to, um, is it? I, I, as far as we can tell here, um, it's a uh, question really straight away. When do you need to personally guarantee a commercial property loan and, and when can you avoid it? And when, when you're making probably about $50 million a, uh, a year uh, in middle market, yeah. So I, I, I think at this at this stage, small business, uh, which typically, you know, it, 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 it's a huge range on who falls into the small business, but, you know, if you probably goes up to anywhere from 30 to $40 million and down, um, you're looking to personally guarantee. So banks are uh, probably... Uh... Uh, pretty strict about that. Uh, they're not going to let anyone off the hook. Uh, will they let you off the hook later on after uh, the mortgage payments have been made for some period of time? Or uh... you know, I do have to say the only instance that I saw in my in my stint uh, with a bank was nonprofits typically are non recourse, which means there's no personal guarantee. I guess uh, because no one is uh, 
really uh, in control, if you will, besides a board of directors? And that, okay, that's interesting. I mean, they would love your personal guarantee, and that would strengthen the deal, but they typically they don't require it. Interesting. Here we would. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the next question is, what would be the most heavily weighted criteria for a bank uh, considering writing a commercial property loan? Would it be the credit score? Would it be personal income? Uh, would it be business income? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, you've got the five C's of lending, and you know you've touched on three there, and then there's character and and collateral, right? So that that go along with those three. Um, a bank, CEDF, SBA Nationwide lender, SBA lender, they're going to look at all those things. They're definitely going to throw. It all depends. What differentiates the different type of underwriting is the different type of lender. Here at CEDF, we would focus more on the character, um, on where the business is going. Um, you know, the... the, the we're not so much credit sensitive. If there was some credit issues, we'd like to know the story. So, and then there's other lenders out there that will focus more on collateral and the collateral will mitigate, we'll say a weakness somewhere else where the business might've had a loss in the past couple of years or what have you. So to answer your question, Fred, all of those things are so important uh, to, the, to the lending industry as a whole. And I can't differentiate one being more important than the other because they all are part of the entire underwriting process. I, I get the impression, uh, maybe just by observation in the franchise industry, that um, sometimes it seems easier to attract a lender's interest when there is real estate involved in the transaction. Uh, building out uh, the proverbial fast food restaurant for, well, I don't know what they cost nowadays, but I presume it's uh, well over a million now, um, you know, versus simply just going and uh, finding a, a leasehold in, uh, let's say, a strip shopping center uh, where um, there's really not much collateral beyond some of the equipment. Um, th does that uh, seem to make sense that... Uh, a uh, deal is easier to get done when you're you've got some real property involved. Well, um, you know, to to CEDF, we we do like collateral, um, different types of um, equipment or commercial real estate. Um, the SBA programs have really gotten um, really they, they've really loosened up in terms of where the collateral needs to lie in terms of where they are in loan amount. To your, to your example on um, a franchise, they're part of the franchise registry. Um, of course, it's all under, it's either the bank or the SBA lender, uh, those nationwide lenders that I talked about, um, or even a CDC. They may underwrite it differently um, than a bank in terms of the collateral, but there might be a lender out there that would do something business only that had very little collateral, depending on the loan amount. Typically, 500000 or less, may not require I guess we should explain that the franchise registry is a list that the uh, SBA has of uh, approved franchise programs that have met certain requirements. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and each one is a different requirement, but you can find that registry again on sba.org. Okay. Uh, another question here is um, uh, this um, questioner says, uh, I'd consider purchasing a commercial property through a separately formed LLC. Uh, is there anything to consider in approaching it this way? 
Um, that that's typical. You know, that's a question for an attorney or an accountant on how that would be handled. Obviously, your CPA or accountant. Um, but if you ask me what I typically see um, in what I've done, typically you do hold your property in a holding um, its own LLC and, and it's termed a holding company. And then the operating company pays holding company rent and, and things of that nature. The holding company pays all of the maintenance and the taxes. That's typically how it's done. But again, don't take my word for it. Definitely consult with uh, an attorney. Is there a reason relating to liability and someone slipping and tripping uh, as a customer that uh, uh, has to do with uh, the reasons that uh, these are separated out? I, th I think that's definitely part of it in terms of uh, reducing your, your exposure to something like that. Um, I think it's done for a variety of reasons. It could be for tax reasons. It could be, um, you know, what you were just stated. Um, again, I would consult with an attorney the best way to, to do that. Well, we have a few minutes left here. Are there any other uh, points of advice that uh, you'd like to uh, provide for business owners relating uh, to the whole uh, kind of journey of uh, getting uh, um, uh, a financial investment as big as a uh, purchase of a building uh, organized? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's definitely, um, if, you, if you are running your business and if you have the opportunity and you would, and if you could make it work and buy, you know, it's definitely something. It's very nice to own um, and, and and have that investment. Because, um, again, if you decide you don't want to run your business, you could always sell the business and just lease. However, again, my advice, if you're going to not buy the location you're currently in or if you're looking for a location, again, location, 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 look at the competition in the area. Uh, make sure you're working with a reputable broker if you are going through a broker. Uh, make sure it's suitable for your business and that you're not going to be putting tons of money into making it suitable for your business. Um, find something, if you're a restaurant, find something that was already a restaurant um, and has all the ventilation. And, um, make sure that it's the right size for you. Um, too big, too small. Um, if you're growing, if you see growth in the near future, adding on to your business um, and if it is a smaller building and you want to grow in the future make sure that you can add on and there's enough property but those are the only things that I can you know do your homework do your homework make sure you um, there's a lot of things that uh, people that are looking to purchase product can do on their own they don't need to seek advice just yet you can do that on your own use loan calculators to see if you can afford it and um, you know, just just really, if you're looking to make a budget, like you mentioned earlier, I would be extremely conservative. I'm sure there's still going to be some questions uh, lingering in some uh, individuals' minds. How could they get in touch with you for additional uh, points of advice or uh, guidance? Absolutely. Um, email is probably the best way to contact me because I'm not in the office. I still you know, have that that fun little smartphone that I carry around, um, and I can I can get back to them at any time. My email address is k tessman t e s s m a n at c e d f dot com. 
Very good. We appreciate the uh, investment of your time here today and certainly your expertise to help out um, our uh, business owners with uh, this complicated subject. As a reminder, this teleconference was a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. For the fifth year in a row, we're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates as small as a few thousand dollars and larger business loans too from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And we've recorded this presentation and we'll make it available in the coming days. Look under the education tab or go to CEDF.com recorded presentations. Thanks for joining us.